every business is different but i do think it's also important to get to know yourself very well because if you as the visionary as the founder co-founder whatever your position is drives this business it's very important that you know what your weaknesses are um, as well as your strength you are listening to stream the south african mental health and business podcast where we have conversations about navigating through struggles achieving success and people's secrets to reaching optimal performance. Oh, do I have a juicy episode lined up for all of you today. I'm joined with one of my oldest friends and biggest business supporters, photographer Jenny Elizabeth, who co-hosted this very special episode with the incredibly inspiring and talented Christine Mankies. Christine has years of experience in photography, online media, and digital content creation. She has started numerous businesses and is the first female to be appointed as a Nikon Premium Ambassador for Southern Africa. I was so excited about this episode, having admired Christine's work over the past decade and being genuinely curious about her incredible entrepreneurial foresight, launching SA's first female wedding and lifestyle blog, theprettyblog.com, which over the years has generated over 650,000 visitors per month and more than 5.5 million impressions per month through the blog and social media channels. In 2019, Christine partnered with Berdine Swart to form The Apiary, a group of creative companies that own The Pretty Blog, as well as The Gallery, an innovative blank canvas experience space for artists and creatives, as well as their newly found tech startup, The Local Edit, which is an e-commerce app that launched in September 2021 as a place to discover and shop South Africa's best designers all in one place. Then if that's not enough, Christine also hosts the podcast Behind the Edit, facilitating honest and raw conversations between creative entrepreneurs, taking a peek behind the scenes to better understand what it really takes to build what seems to be a perfectly edited brand. Lastly, Christine is also a mom, and in her spare time, she mentors companies and organizations about the new world of online media, marketing, and the value of storytelling. Now, if you are not impressed by all of that, just wait till you get through the first 10 minutes of this episode. The conversation is vulnerable, genuine, and filled with valuable advice and insights that I know you're going to be so grateful for. Here's today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Habitas Namibia, the experience-led sustainable luxury hotel situated on a private estate only 45 minutes from Vintuk's International Airport. So if you're looking for a truly unique wildlife experience and yearning for an opportunity to disconnect to reconnect, then I highly recommend you visit HabitasNamibia.com to take advantage of the special rate they are offering South Africans. But don't expect your run-of-the-mill safari experience, as this property boasts a wealth of distinctive programming in line with their ethos, such as game drives complemented with a lesson in medicinal plants, indigenous spa treatments, sunrise yoga, and a unique bush braai experience under the stars with local live music and dance. Visit HabitasNamibia.com for more information. Thanks so much for joining us. Thankfully, we've figured out that the little bit of tech glitches, we always seem to have something that goes wrong. 
Well, you know, with tech, there's obviously when you with a lot of people, there's always something going wrong. And if you're with your, with your by yourself, then there's always like, you know, everything's just seamless and it works. <laughs> it's like when you need to do a big presentation in front of a big audience, then you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And how's it talking about tech? Like the burning question that we both have is how's it been going with your tech startup? Like a whole new world for you and, and just been insane, I'm assuming. Yes, I think the question is, you know, what 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 does it what is the does it make it successful if things are running smoothly or does it make it successful if things aren't running smoothly? So I think the one thing that we we've learned um luckily with my husband being in the tech business for quite a while is that you can you can prepare everything up front and you can really try like this is probably I don't know like our seventh stab at like starting a business. And um, you can really try and have everything perfectly ready, but it's only when people interact with it or when it goes out into the big wide world out there that you can really see where the glitches are. And so for us, I think I've the one thing Ian, my husband, has um, really tried to make me understand is that un- unless you become comfortable with the uncomfortable, then nothing's going to happen anyway. So I think I'm okay. This was probably the first launch we've ever done that I was okay with the fact that there was going to probably be a lot of problems. Um, and the funny thing is they weren't. <laughs> so I think maybe it was just a mental exercise to get to here, but we're very, very lucky that we didn't have major problems. Um, so far, so good, if I could put it that way. Um, so I'm very excited that we were very well prepared. We have um, technology in the back of the app that if there's um, like app crashes or if there's any processing issues um then the app picks it up and then the tech team can look at it i don't think that you'll ever launch a tech product seamlessly i think the whole concept of tech is to say we're building a solution but we also need people to show us what we don't know yeah um and that that is where it became very important to interact with users and ensure that you know when they send us feedback that my team and myself doesn't freak out because you feel like a failure because one person can't process an order, but it's more about then supporting them, helping them go through the process. And like today we had a wonderful glitch with Visa being down. So um, as much as we want to sell a product, (laughs) you know, then um, obviously with a global (laughs) major brand having a problem. And I think it's also very good to not to stab them in, in any way. It's more about like also knowing, and I think it's a good thing for my team to also realize it that, as much as we want to make everything perfect, it's really important to also know, like even these global conglomerate big companies, they also have major problems. And we're all just humans at the back and the end of it. So, yeah. And even Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram. <laughs> exactly. <started. That's>, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, like we're constantly without electricity in South Africa. You know, it's just like problem on problem. And I think that's what really makes us as South Africans very agile as a human, like, like let's say, like a community is that we, we just problem solve all the time. Never stops. <laughs> Never seems to stop. <laughs> I, su- I suppose that's also the, the one like downfall, but also benefit about tech is that you're getting instant feedback and able to work on it, improve it, improve your your business model, improve your products. Whereas 
a lot of other industries, you only get feedback or you only see if things aren't working out after like a year or two. And you're pushing for that five-year mark where everyone says your business will only start making money when it's, you know, more established after five years. And with tech, you're getting instant sort of feedback and you're having to be so used to sort of glitches and criticism and rolling with the punches. Yeah, I think you just have to be okay with the idea that also every person interacting with you is not going to look at it from the same perspective. And so you need to be very open to know that you're working with a big group of people and also not everyone has the same same tech savviness. And so what I always try and teach my team is we need to know what we're doing, but then also need to understand that you need to listen to the customer or the user in a way where you can actually remove all your knowledge, where you're coming from. Because working on a product for like two, three years in the back end, you know, we've established so many elements of our strategy, our value system, um, reasoning behind why we certain why we decided certain things. Like, you know, why did we decide to start an app and not just an e-commerce platform like a website? Um, and all those things, we've obviously had these major conversations in the team. And so people as a team, or like I think my team sometimes and myself included, we forget that we've had these conversations numerous times. So it's so ingrained in who we are now that when someone looks at it for the first time and they ask you a question, it's very easy to become almost like offended and go like, but don't you see it kind of thing. And I think it's very important to when you do interact with customers to to know where you're coming from, but also to hear them out from their perspective, because they might really have like a great idea or mm-hmm. a great feature. Um, but it is a very interesting process. Um, it's very new for me because it's the first time I'm in e-commerce, like where we like physically selling products. I've always been in the service industry. And it's also with tech, like you're saying, like the feedback, it's, it's very um, resource intensive because it's not like you 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 have time to kind of think about how we're going to do things. You constantly have to like update little re- like little glitches and things. Um, but on the other hand, the plus side, like I personally love the the agileness, the fact that we can constantly change and constantly adapt um, and chisel away like all the things that you know isn't good. <laughs> yes. And so before I ask about the pretty blog, um, I know Jenny has known you for years. I don't know if you want to like tell our listeners <laughs> how, you, how you know Christine. <laughs> Hi, Christine. Hi, Jenny. Marisa was asking me um, if there was anything specific I wanted to ask you. And I said to you, you know what? All I actually want to say is just what an honor it is for me to be part of this episode. Um, Because, Christine, you've been probably the biggest mentor, inspiration, um, legend (laughs) in the industry. And (laughs) you've paved the way for for. I feel for everyone, um, not only in the wedding industry, but in in so many other ways as well. Um, So when Marisa invited me to be a part of this, I felt really honored. And so thank you. And thank you for for just being an absolute industry legend um, and for making things so much better for for so many other photographers. Um, And you just you just going from strength to strength. And I actually, you know, sometimes I'm like speechless um, when because if yeah, every time I see you, there's something exciting and amazing, you know, in the pipeline, and it's really inspiring. So if you haven't heard that lately, um, I just wanted to <laughs> say how inspiring you are, um, and just I mean, again, just in all that, whilst going through so many things in your life at the moment, you found time to do this podcast. When I saw that you guys were moving last week, um, I I thought to myself, do I have a date for the podcast, right? Is that Monday? Because how is Christine 
just launched an app, moved houses, and just time to do a podcast episode. So how has that been? How has the moving house and all of that <laughs> probably been crazy? Well, before I started with moving house, um, I, I think I was actually, I didn't comment while you were talking because, um, one, I wanted to hear what you were saying. And I felt so um, emotional, actually, at that moment. And I still do because... I think, Jenny, you know, like you said, we've come a long way in the industry and we've seen the industry change and go through COVID and everything. And I I just want to say thank you so much for saying that because I have a very um, I have a very fighter personality, to be honest. Like sometimes it's quite intense to be in my head and be in my body. <laughs> and um, I, I feel like it is a gift, but sometimes it's also a struggle. And everything I've done in the industry honestly comes from a place where I just constantly want to improve things. And it's a very, to be honest, it's a very difficult personality to have. And I sometimes I've had my, I really hope I don't get emotional on the podcast. That would just be really awkward. Um, but it's, it's, it's something that I've thought of many times because I was born with it. Like I literally just can't, I can't neglect like looking after that part of myself. And that is really what fuels everything I do is um, in many ways, like people have, you know, people across your paths. um, Obviously some people really build you up and other people, you know, kind of drag you down and that's just part of life. But um, numerous times, like all of us, you know, we get feedback from whether it's very close people to you or friends or family or people you went to school with. And, and one of the things I've always struggled with was this idea that I, I have a very, like, edited eye. And I don't say that in the sense of photography and visuals. I think that's that part of kind of how it played out in this world. But I have, like, a, I constantly want to, like, edit things. And I con- constantly want to make it better. And my approach, and in my team even, like, they know now, I've always said to them, guys, just, like, I know I sound harsh, but all I want to do is, like, make it better. I'm not saying that we're not good enough yet. I'm just saying, like, we're there now. Let's just move. Let's just move it up a notch. You know, like I always want to improve, and it's it's very hard to have a person because it's like you're constantly running a race that you the goalposts just constantly move, um, and it's something I have to check in every time and again. But I just appreciate the feedback that you've given me because I don't often hear that. I'm going to be very, very, very honest with you, and it's not like I want like love letters from all over, or maybe I do. <laughs> um, but it really is a, it's, I think when you've done something that means something to someone else, like it's really cool to hear that it actually meant that because you really hoping it would, but you don't always hear that. And it actually, for everyone listening to the podcast, I think in a world of social media and constant engagement and everything that's going on around us, I sometimes ask myself, like, do we really, really engage with people on a personal level? Like, do we actually like sit down with someone and like not necessarily just friends and family, but I'm talking about like exactly what you said. Like maybe there, there has been someone in your life that mentored you and that played a role in your inspiration or you kind of building something that you've always dreamed to do. And how often do we actually thank those people? Um, and yeah, I just think it's it's a good lesson that we need to like actually that pay it forward. Like someone helped you and you help them and you just actually say thank you. So that's a thank you from me to say thank you for having me on the podcast and thank you for... Yeah, just being open and honest. I think it's um, it's something that we lack many times. So, yeah, sorry, taking a moment there for saying thank you. <laughs> and it's so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think and, so many things that I want to, um, 
yeah, touch on just with, with your response. And I think also Jenny and I actually often speak about it because we both um, do our job on our own and we don't have colleagues, et cetera. I'm used to always up until 2020 before I um, sold the agency, I always had a team. I always had, I had business partners. I had recognition all the time from, you know, those within your team or you had also feedback or yeah. And, and the two of us have to, we often go for walks in the park and rely on each other to be that external support from a business perspective as well as friends, but also to just boost each, each other. And to, because it's so hard to constantly, I think as an entrepreneur, even when you've got a team, because often the feedback doesn't come mm-hmm. from, you know, the lower level up is you just have to be your cheerleader like the whole time constantly. And obviously there's so many times that you go through doubts or, or you don't know if, you know, certain things in your business are going to work out. And you just, it's so incredibly taxing and draining to be that person constantly for yourself. And to, there's obviously a lot of perks, um, but there's also challenges of not having, you know, unless you're um, outsourcing mentorship or support elsewhere from business mm-hmm. leaders. Yeah, I find that that is... 100%. Mm-hmm. I, think the, I think the one thing that again, I'm going to reference a lot of people in my life that (laughs) has had an influence. But um, I remember once sitting down with my dad and um, he was in corporate all his life. And, you know, he was like almost on retirement. And um, I remember I was just so, I was kind of down at that stage. And I think I was just really drained being the leader in my team. And like you said, like no matter how many people you have around you in your team, if you've started the business, if you're the founder or if you're the leader in some way, if you're the manager, whatever position you're in, um, or whether you're a startup or like a photographer and you're the only person in your business, it all applies to the same thing. And my dad at that stage, I said to him, like, who's going to inspire me? Like, who's going to, like, who's constantly imparting into me? You know, that was my question at that stage because I was feeling like I was giving so much of myself. Um, and I think it's very similar to being a mom. And I realize like you're constantly kind of giving and giving. And um, he said to me, just remember that the corner office is always the lonely office. And that stuck with me. It was such a, it was such a real example for me um, where it's like, like you said, Marisa, there's a lot of perks, you know, coming with kind of being the leader and being the founder. And there's a lot of like um, focus on that person and, but there's, there's a lot of emotional taxing areas that people don't touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think like in some way you either need to get mentors um, and your friends and family don't always get it because they play a different role. Um, and especially I remember like Jenny, you probably remember like those years when we started Kiki, like I think it was like probably 15, 18 years ago. Um, and this was like a photography forum. We started at the time. It's still going on Facebook. There's like multiple groups of thousands of photographers in but the, the whole concept about it in those years was that me and a few friends started getting together for coffee um, because I felt like whenever, like, I mean, I didn't know anything. I think I thought I did, um, but it was a very like passionate photographer, like, you know, 21 years old thinking I can conquer the world. And I would reach out to, I think I sent like a hundred emails at the time, like to all these photographers that I looked up to. And I was like, please, could I have a coffee? You know, I just want to like tap into kind of what you do and I like to learn from you. And it was like, I sent it out into the world and like no one came back to me. And there was like one or two like that kind of reached out. And 
I also know people are busy, like I understand, like, but at that stage, I didn't understand it. Okay, now I understand it. <laughs> but, um, and then I, I realized that it's very lonely and I, needed, I realized that you need to build a community around you that can actually support you, that understands something like when you talk about a 50 millimeter lens and you get very excited about it, your friends and family have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so industry-specific community is quite important, I think. <laughs> Totally. And I also, um, one thing that I also wanted to touch on, which when Jenny was sort of singing your praises was that um, I also know through Jen that years ago, I remember I was chatting and this is another um, a little compliment your way is that you're not only someone who's setting trends and has this amazing entrepreneurial like foresight for launching successful businesses, but you're also very willing to share. So you're not there on your own, not you know, sharing how you've gotten there and doing workshops and all of those things that, Jane, you've informed me on in the past of like, and that I think that's amazing as you're not, you know, selfishly keeping all your business secrets to yourself. And I think that's also what makes you such a such a great business leader um, is yeah. sharing that. And I just want to add to that and exactly to your point, Marisa, um, Christine, you know, as far as my knowledge goes, you were basically one of the first people who, who did these workshops um, and it's, I realize now how, how giving you were with your knowledge, um, because now that I'm kind of moving away from wedding photography a little bit and, and trying my hand at other genres, um, I think I'm having to figure things out by myself. Um, and when people come to me and ask me about it, I'm very hesitant to give myself <laughs> because it was hard to figure it out. And it was, you know, it was really like a lot of work. <laughs> so I actually thought about that day and I was like, wow, you were so free with your knowledge and, and shared with so many people um, and having to kind of figure it out yourself and having to go through it yourself. So just another, another thank you on that note. Um, and then oh, I thanks, th- Jenny. Wow, this is this is like <laughs> this is my praises podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, you know yeah. what I want to what I want to touch on mm. on that point, um, Jenny. I think it's exactly what you said. It's like easy to give when you have a lot, right? So when you were in a position where you you know kind of felt like you conquered the wedding world, it's very easy to share then because you feel like you know you're not really vulnerable. Um, but I think what what was quite apparent to me at that stage and I think there was something that also stuck with me is I had a lot of examples from friends and family that didn't live in South Africa and their communities were already so much further than we were they were very like free and sharing especially like in the American space I feel like people and it it could be um, just a different outlook on life Um, it could be that I don't know I've, I've, I've tried to kind of um distill this into a theory but maybe I'm going to be completely wrong but I feel like in South Africa we have so many challenges that sometimes when you get something right you don't want to share it and I I can't really get where that comes from but for anyone that does feel like that where you feel like you know it's taken so much effort and time for me to get to this place I don't want to share that with someone else because it was a costly exercise and it's not just always financial or monetary it's also emotional Um, you've probably you know, give, gave up a lot of things that your friends didn't to kind of get to a specific place in your career. But I feel like something that I looked at was more kind of the big picture to say, like, if all the photographers in this space, if all the wedding photographers could all be luxury wedding photographers, or if we had like a hundred wedding, like luxury wedding photographers that charged the prices I did, it would have been good for the industry mm. because then no one's going to look at me kind of going like, 
she is the weirdest person in the world. Like, you know, it's actually going to be like, oh, that is what wedding photographers charge. And that is what wedding photographers do. And that is how we operate. And that is like the service we we give. And I think it's the same with like, I know that you, you um, from what I've seen, you're doing more content creation, you're doing more brand um, photography. And I think it's the same. Like I've seen a complete, like obviously move over with COVID, obviously eliminating weddings for quite a while. Um, but also there's just, there's a, there's a huge need for brands now to actually have great images, which they didn't a few years ago. And I think it's so good if everyone actually started like building that industry, it becomes a recognized industry. And it doesn't just maybe, you know, the, the concept of looking at content creators, people have different perspectives on it. And if there's like actually a big industry around it, people appreciate it more and they're willing to actually value it more, which means that they're willing to spend. And I think that for me was very important in that time is to ensure that the industry grows, not just me. Um, so yeah, maybe just a different perspective to look at it when it comes to sharing. Yeah, that's very true. And yeah, makes you think about it in a different way. I really like that. Thank you. <laughs> now Jenny's going to send out a bunch of free. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meetups coming your way by Jenny. <laughs> I'll be I'll be there, Jenny. I'll be there. Same. I'll, be singing, I'll be singing your praises. <laughs> hey, have you always had this like entrepreneurial foresight of like even since like school varsity days? Have you always have you sort of envisioned did you envision your life the the way it has sort of planned out or were you like, I'll just give my little two cents, for instance, like I never <laughs> thought I'd be an entrepreneur. I never thought it was nothing I, that I actually wanted. I think as a, I, in high school, I was very much like, I just want to be happy with the job and have a family <laughs> and that's about it. And I'm 34 and like not married, don't have kids and I've just got this business. <laughs> So it's interesting how it's, how it turns out. And I'm very intrigued and curious to know, what yeah what you were like when you were young and if you just always had this drive to create <laughs> Risa, i laugh at, at your um you know explaining your 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 example because if you ask my husband about this then he would give you the same answer like you know he's like yeah you know we're figuring things out and um <laughs> and once someone also asked me like did you intend the pre-blog to be like a really big success and they asked me in a in, a, in an interview and Ian was sitting there and he's like you know, we um we obviously had a plan. Um, we were kind to see how it goes. And I look at it and I'm like, yes, we, we wanted it to be a success, and that's why we did it. Otherwise, what was the point? <laughs> you know, and it, it, I think it, it brings it brings it all back to my personality, as as I've mentioned earlier. I have a very serious personality. Um, the one part I really do like is humor. I know how to laugh, but I don't laugh at a lot of things. And um, <laughs> I, I'm very, very serious. From a very young age, I was very focused. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I, I was kind of like, I would say up until my mid, like I almost want to say like up until my 30s, um, I struggled to just have fun. I'm going to be extremely honest with you. Like I really struggled to have fun. It was actually something that I had to kind of confess to my business coach at some stage where it was like, you know, I really struggled to just like chill. I really struggle to just like enjoy life because like, it's like, if there's no mission, like, what are we doing? Like, why are we just sitting having a glass of wine? Like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> We're wasting time, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, Jenny um, and I are wasting time. 
No, but like I need more people like that in my life. And I, I think the past few years has been a very good journey for me where I had a complete changeover. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on that on the podcast. Um, but the I have a very serious personality. So to answer your question, yes, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to study. I was like always selling things from a very young age. Like I was studying um, chocolate cake at our entrepreneurial days at school. I was making like, I even had two friends that was like, co-employed like and we made like little um tie-dye like little pouches you know <laughs> stitching with our mothers and this was like us at 12 like 10 12 I mean it was absolutely horrendous products that we were selling but I mean there was a market and we were selling them you know <laughs> um and there are there's numerous examples that I could take you through so I've definitely always knew that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial I didn't necessarily know exactly what that was I was always interested in visuals and aesthetics and at some stage in my life I thought I'd probably become kind of a magazine editor, that type of, you know, kind of advertising magazines. That was obviously before all the digital explosion. We didn't even know about anything like that. But I've always been very serious and I've always been very focused. Um, and yeah, that's just, that's just who I am. And I've also had to be okay with it because it sounds all glamorous, you know, when you're like building a business and all serious, but it also had its, has its downsides. It is an internal struggle constantly. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm learning to get to, to be okay with who I am. <laughs> you know, they say in your 20s, you kind of um, fight who you are. And then in your 30s, you start becoming okay with who you are. Well, I'm going towards end of 30s. So I think by 40, I'm going to be, be all chilled. <laughs> so it just, it just takes me about 40 years to chill out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so how do you with, okay, my one question was actually going to be related to being a new mom and that period of your life being a business owner, um, having started numerous businesses, then becoming a mother. Did you do, was that period, were you still full on working? Did you take maternity leave? Did you switch off? Were you, were you planning the local edit? Is that when it, when it was, you were concocting your next sort of business venture? <laughs> Well, actually, I have to take it just back a little bit because um, I think it was around 20, where are we now? Okay, it was probably around 2017. Um, so we started Pretty Blog in 2010. And around 2017, seven years in, um, the business has been extremely successful um, publicly in the sense that, you know, we had like great following. We had a great organic following. Um, massive traction through the site, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, at that stage, I had a team of about, I think, 10 full-time staff. So it was really, really, it was actually quite big for a small business. Um, but the behind the scenes, I always said the behind the scenes wasn't really pretty. And I think if you had to interview, um, and it's probably the first time I say it because I think the past few years I've really worked through it. Um, if you had to ask a lot of my staff at that stage, you know, what was it like? I don't think everyone would probably have such a pretty picture to be painted. And it's not that um, it's not that the company was at a bad place. I think I, as a leader, was in a bad place. And the, the, the business had, had many challenges, which I won't um, elaborate on right now. But it had an extremely big effect on me as a human. And I was, I was, I was so stressed that I couldn't, I couldn't actually function, to be honest. And if I have to, I'm going to become emotional now. It was a very, very dark time for me. And um, very few people know about it because it looked very successful from the outset. But financially, it was very difficult because we were so pre 
digital marketing. We were so pre all of those things that I was constantly having these meetings with big corporates and they were so excited about what we're doing, but their budgets just wasn't on digital yet. They were all still in traditional media. And it was an extremely tough space to be in because I had so much passion and I had so much drive and I could see the figures and I knew what we could offer them, but they didn't see it. And it's all about timing, I think, at the end of the day, when it comes to business success, there's a lot of things that you can do right, but if your timing isn't right, then the business won't work. And so I think on the one side, we were great at timing because we were so pre-everything and we got a lot of success around it, but we were also almost a little bit too early and we probably need a, needed a bit more runway, to be honest. Um, and then never had funding. Um, so it was all self-funded and very few people know, but my photography, the reason why I pushed so hard on the photography side was literally to fund the business. And so I was shooting on weddings, on weekends, I was working the whole week and I was literally working to pay for my staff. And um, it was a very hard time. And about 2017, we had like, like a huge staff turnover, um, also a lot of young staff, you know, every 18 months kind of turnover, which was a very costly exercise for the business because you just train people up and then you get there. So, sorry, quite a long intro to this, but the bottom line is we were ready to have children. My husband and I were like, okay, cool. You know, we're kind of hitting 50s now. We need to probably start thinking about like the clock is ticking. And we were very happy about like our life and we were traveling the world. And we always said that we'd, we'd rather want kids a little bit later. And then um, I went to the doctor, but she basically looked at me and she was like, um, I just went to the guy for a checkup to basically say, okay, cool. Like all systems go, you know, have children. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said to me, uh, we really need to talk. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and uh, we sat down and she, she explained to me um, after me asking seven times, like, what are you saying? <laughs> because she was using all these medical terms and the bottom line was, she's like, Oh, you have two, like two centimeter tumors in your ovaries. And um, it's very um, like, yeah. I mean, when she said tumors, to be honest, the first thing I thought of was cancer because we just lost Jan's dad due to cancer that at that time. So it was very real. It was very, close to home and it was it was like one of those moments that people talk about like in the movie you know where everything just kind of like numbs out and you tear up and you just don't know what to say and I was like um do I have cancer I'm telling her I have cancer and she's like well I can't really tell you we need to do all these tests and she pulls out this care paper and like ticks all the stuff and she gives it to me and she's like um yeah just do all these tests and then we'll see in like 48 hours we'll know the longest for okay, um, except for I, mean, I just like I just cried and I went to Ian and we went to my dad and explained him the whole thing and to you know make a long story short on that side um within a week I was in Pretoria at a specialist and he had to remove it um because yeah I mean I'm not a doctor I, like don't know all the medical stuff but as far as I understand um, it's not really a good thing to operate in the ovaries, you know, if you haven't had children yet. And um, I, that whole week I was lying in the hospital and the only thing I processed was two things. So one, I was like, okay, I need to be okay with the fact that I might never have children. Mm -hmm. um, and what does that look like? And what does that look like for me and Ian? And I had to deal with the real kind of want that I, that I wanted to be a mom and also to deal with like, did I really want to be a mom or was that something that, you know, society kind of put on you or your friends or family? And, and I realized I really wanted to be a mom, but I, I had to deal with the idea that it might not never, never happen. So that was the one thing. 
And then the other thing I dealt with was like me asking God like constantly, but how did I end up here? Like I'm fighting the good fights, you know, like I'm kind of like building businesses, making people's lives better. That's like kind of the mission, you know? And um, the only thing I heard was like, you chose to be here. And it was, I'll never forget that. And it became a very, very big motto in my life. And I don't know, like whatever you want to call it, but that became like a very big one for to kind of, be real about like this mission that Christine's on um but also about like you are choosing every single thing you're doing Mm -hmm. and I know today like I don't know whatever medical what people will say doctors but I know that those tumors existed because of stress Mm -hmm. um and so when I became a mom uh, four months later I was pregnant and I was just so excited about it and when I became when I became pregnant or when I felt pregnant, um, the first thing I promised myself is that I would not bring this bad history into this child's life. Like it was very important for me to to be okay with the fact that I made a lot of mistakes and that I was learning along the way and that I was adopting. And I think I believe that we as, as humans that we are constantly becoming better. So it's okay to be like to be okay with the fact that you know you weren't that great then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ensure that when I have this baby, that this baby was very chilled um, and that this baby knew that he was loved. And as much as I could contribute to that, I wanted to. So there's no um, probably scientific research around like, you know, if you are chilled as a mom, your baby is chilled because then some people will tell you, no, I'm, I'm very chilled, but my baby was colic. So I'm not going to say that this is how it happened. This is just my story. But for me, it was extremely important to go into a rhythm where I was like, I'm going to be more aware of resting. Um, so I did. I took um, I took it way slower. And my first thing that I did is at that stage, the team was much smaller. There was a lot of changes happening in the business. Um, and I decided to completely relook everything. So it was like a rebirth of the business as well as this little one coming. And I relooked it. Um, I, I relooked the, the team. And I then, yeah, it was a long story, but I got a, a, a new employee, Jess, and she's just fantastic. She's still with me today. And I said to her, Jess, I'm pregnant. In nine months, you're going to run the show because I'm taking six months off and I'm not available. Wow. And that was my mission. Like, I was like, while this baby is growing inside of me, I need to make sure that this it was sounds so weird. I probably sound like one of those people that's like, you know, imagining things, but I really look at it now when I'm, when I'm telling the story, it was like, there's something growing inside of me. And I wanted to make sure that whatever I was growing out here could like, you know, grow by itself. And so I taught her everything. I built systems in, I made sure that whatever happened when I wasn't away, like she, she, when I was away, that she could manage it. And um, I must admit, I moved a lot to my phone where I used to be quite connected to my laptop like now I'm so like I run my business from my phone to be honest and I think as a mom you become very multitask orientated because it's just what it requires but I took six months off I really did um and I I started working again at four months um purely because I had an easy baby um and as a mom I needed it because I wasn't I wasn't like feeling this like 100% like only baby (laughs) like I love that but I also I needed that other part. Um, so long story for that, but it was a very intense and very real journey and something that I think it's, I constantly think about that time in my life where things changed a lot, um, but it was, at the end of the day, it was for the better. Wow. 
Gosh, I feel like, yeah, Jenny and I, we often also talk about um, our journey ahead being, you know, 34, turning 35 next year and kids and all of that. And I think just to add to what you were saying, that's one, I know so many people always ask like, when you're having kids, et cetera. And I don't, Mm. my answer isn't, oh, I'm, you know, I want to be financially stable. It's more, I want to be mentally in a little bit of a better position to have um, peace of mind that I can leave my business for six months maternity. And the two of us have to start saving for our our maternity funds. So it's so different when you're running your own business. Um, But yeah, that's... 100%. hmm. I think, Marissa, just on that, you know, it's, I think it's very important that you as a couple are ready for children. I think no matter what your friends say, what your family say, whatever, that's something Ian and I talk a lot about a lot. Like it's very easy for someone to say, yeah, just have a baby, you know, mm-hmm. but they're not the people who get up at two in the morning and three and four and five and then go to work at eight, you know, and it's, it's, that's not going to be their responsibility. It's going to be your responsibility. So I'm the first person to say as a couple, you need to be cool. This is like going to be okay. We're going to be fine. But on the other hand, I also have to to be very real with you that I don't think that you'll ever be ready. So <laughs> don't wait too long. <laughs> it really is. a um, it, it is. I think if you as a couple are like, cool, we want to have kids, like the other stuff will come. Mm. Um, but, but it is a decision that you need to make, not your friends or your family. Exactly. Um, but it's a, it's a learning curve, guys. It's a learning curve. Hi, Christine, when you were on uh, maternity leave, was there anything that sort of, ins- what, that, like an idea that was inspired by the time that you could actually, oops, that you could actually just slow down? Cause I, when, I, when we were in lockdown, um, and being kind of at home and having more time to think a lot of the ideas that I sort of came up with in the last year, like my workshops and those things, they all were born in during that time um, because I was actually, I had more time to think about my, my brain wasn't as busy. So was there anything that kind of was inspired by the time that you were on maternity leave or were you very much sort of just focused on AD in that time? I'm going to be honest. I, I really was focused on AD a lot. Um, I, I think I was very emotional at that stage because of the beauty of having a child, um, but also because just like you experienced on lockdown that, you know, you kind of felt like your brain switched off and you had capacity for something else. I felt the first time in 15 years or when I was with AD was the first time in 15 years that I could actually just be, that's how I felt. Like I felt like I didn't have to fill it with anything because my, my focus now was him um and it's not like I didn't think about things like I did uh, it's impossible for me not to think about things um and concept of the local edit was definitely there um it's something that's come a very long time it's not just the past three years that we've actually or two years that we've actually developed it um so definitely there there were sparks of it but if I had to give you an honest feeling about like where I was at like I was very much just like be just be present just be there um, enjoy the fact that you don't have to answer to emails. Enjoy the fact that you don't have to reply to anyone on DMs that's trying to get your attention. Um, just be. And that's something I've never allowed myself, to be honest, um, just to be. And I think that's, yeah, that was just part of like, part of the joy of being a mom. Um, I mean, you, apart from like, it all sounds extremely 
um, <laughs> romantic, but apart from the fact that I was so sleep deprived and so tired, <laughs> I don't think my brain, <laughs> my brain was like, it had the capacity to remember to wake up <laughs> and to feed my child and now and again get dressed. <laughs> so that's probably the very honest answer. But I, I, I did definitely, I was very privileged in the fact that I was in a space where I could, um, yeah, where I could take time out. Mm. Um, that was, yeah, part of it probably. No, as I, as I asked the question, I realized, like, what am I thinking? A new mom doesn't have time for anything else. <laughs> obviously coming from some... As I was explaining this to you, I was trying to, like, tap into where I was. It was obviously quite a while back. And I was like, oh, my was like that, was really, that was really what it was like. But I was thinking, like, what I'm telling these two girls sounds very romantic. I need to paint the real picture with them. <laughs> yeah. All my mom friends are going to be like, Jenny, what were you asking? Like, there's no <laughs> space for anything else when you have a new baby and you're sleep deprived. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you for your honest answer. And how do you, how are you still managing? So pretty blog still going, you now doing the local edits, you still momming, <laughs> running a household. How, like, what is your, what do your days look like? Are you working in the evenings? Are you working five times a week or more? Like, what is it? What is it like being you at the moment? <laughs> what is it like being me? Um, I think there's a, there's a few things that that I probably need to also mention for a lineup of kind of where I'm at at the moment. So, um, you know, I want to say like pre me being pregnant, that was um, very much like a mouse on a wheel situation. It was like working seven days a week, working 12, 13 hour days. Um, so I really did hustle for many, many years. And um, Ian and I got to a stage in our life where I think also the journey with AD was was very much part of that where I really had a need to take time out in the evening. So that was my balance. That was like the one part where it was like when I come from, from work, whatever that means, whether I'm like working from home or I'm going to shoot, I don't want to open my laptop. Like I don't want to get notifications. So for about the past five years, I don't have notifications on, on my phone um I don't get my emails like I only get my emails when I open up my computer um unless I open my app on my phone and I like you know actively want to see that but that was like part of the journey of kind of like detoxing this because as much as people want to like embrace or um support this whole like hustle you know there's a there's there's, there's a huge there's a huge like um what's the right word like it's almost like popular to be busy, right? Like if you look at Instagram and you look at like, it's, it's, it's part of people don't want to like have like a week of nothing on the Instagram, you know, like then it shows like, I don't have anything to do or I'm not, I'm not out and about. I think it's very toxic um, purely because I've been there and I know what it's like. And I think um, we've become so okay with the idea that we need to be busy and that it's like praised that we're busy um Ian and I joke every now and again where like if people ask us like oh so what are you guys doing and we're just saying well we want to we never said it yet but we're like always joking that if someone asked us we could just go oh nothing (laughs) imagine just imagine imagine that would be your answer people are like oh so what are you guys doing What, what are you busy with and we're just like we're just chilling like can you imagine like I would love like that is what I'm working towards actually to be honest that is my mission I'm working towards chilling I'm not there yet I'm gonna get there hopefully um but but I I think like I was in a in a 
previous stage of my life and and there I was too busy and mm. I don't I don't look at that portion of my life going I would not do it like that again I would because I feel like the 10,000 hours or what's that you know philosophy they say I did build it up so mm. it was very important and I would always be the first person to really like strongly motivate young people in their like early 20s um, even early 30s to go like if you don't have other responsibilities if you don't have a family, if you don't have all those other things, like put all the time and effort you can into this one thing, I wouldn't be putting that time into chilling, to be honest, yeah. because you're just so, you're so free. You know, there's these things that change in your life that you just, you can never go back and you can just never get that time again. So I think it's important to, to hustle when you can hustle. Why am I getting the laugh? Am I sounding no, no, so <laughs> dog is snoring and the sound is like coming into the mic and I'm trying to like kick him to make him stop snoring and the more I kick him the like louder he growls and I wanted to laugh about it earlier when you were saying something really emotional because he's high on speedy <laughs> I made him I might post him before the interview just so that he doesn't bark or I'd like and now we're getting the opposite we're getting this <laughs> Kicking him, he's not stopping. Well, he's obviously he's obviously reached the chilling stage. Yeah, so good good on him. You know. Yeah, sorry, so sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. I think yeah. Just to go back to that, I think it's extremely important to hustle when you can, and when you have the freedom to hustle, mm-hmm. like hustle all you can. My life changed, and uh, we were at a stage where we wanted to start a family. I had a need to actually learn how to build in balance in my life because definitely there wasn't any balance. And I was very um, privileged to, at that stage in my life, also meet my current business partner. Um, And she's played a major role in my life where she came in. I honestly thought I would never have a business partner um, in, in my journey. And it just wasn't part of the picture that I wanted to paint. Um, but I, I met her, we started like conversing. She actually came to me because um, of mentorship and she just wanted to kind of share her thoughts and she wanted me to help her business, build her businesses. And with me kind of changing the, the pretty block quite a lot, um, this was around 2017, 2018, I, I started like doing coaching and um, not really coaching, more kind of like small business mentorship, I'd probably say. And um, she came to me and we started, you know, having all these extremely exciting conversations. But what happened through this kind of year or two of um, having these conversations was I realized that a lot of her dreams was exactly kind of what I wanted to do. But I had the practical experience um, and she was dreaming and she was like running with all these ideas. And she was like, how do we connect these things? Um, and I had all the advice, but the one thing that I kept thinking of was like, I have the 10 years of experience and I have all of these things that have happened and there's no guarantee that you can build up the same following. There's no guarantee, no matter if you, you know, like timing plays such a huge role. So you can do exactly the same things that I did, but it won't necessarily play out in that way. And the more we, we had had these conversations, um, the more I realized that there's potential for us to actually partner up. And um, we we actually did partner up in um, in the beginning of 2019, and um, it's it's not really very public um, up until the local edit because we wanted to make sure that what we do kind of makes sense to the audience out there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, actually, since 2019, 
we've been working together quite closely. And um, she she essentially um, bought the pretty blog and we, we, we transformed it into a new company called the Apiary. So the Apiary is the new holding company. Um, we're still, you know, working around the branding and the website. Um, but we, we decided it would make more sense to start a group of creative companies, then have the pretty blog kind of on its own and have the local edit on its own. And we, it, it took us like three years to kind of figure out our own way of, of, of looking at how do we actually structure this. And so what we've done is we, we started the Apiary. The Apiary is the holding company. Under that, we have the pretty blog now. Um, we also have the local edits and whatever else we're going to start. We also have um, a company called the Gallery. And so I act as the CEO of this group. Um, yeah, so that is that is a bit part of my journey that I don't often speak about, but it is extremely important for me to mention it because it might seem from the outset that I do everything alone and I don't. And I think that is extremely important. It's, it's very similar to Instagram. We all kind of have this perception of what someone's life is, is about. And I'm all about being vulnerable and being real and giving people the real insight of what's happening under the hood kind of thing. Um, but it was also important for me and Bedeem to to ensure that whatever we put out there, because we've built up such a big brand, that we we ensure that we do it correctly, you know. Um, and so where where I'm at now is I run the vision of the company, and it's 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 given me the freedom to not necessarily have to worry about all the aspects of the business. It's very similar to me running a household. Um, and not mentioning the fact that I have a full-time nanny. Mm. You know, like, I don't do everything alone. I have an extremely good team around me and people that I can trust and that runs with specific areas. So I am a neat freak, and I become extremely unhappy with life <laughs> and um, not a nice human to be around if I get home and the house isn't tidy. Like, I really like a neat home. And with a two-year-old, you know, it has its boundaries. There's just certain things you need to just let go of. And he needs to be a child and he needs to be able to, to play and run. Um, but I have a full-time lady who helps me in the house. She's been with us for 10 years. Um, and I can't be who I am without Alice, not at all. And I can honestly say I can't be where I'm at at the moment. Like, I'm in a very good personal space. Um, I can't be here without B. I can't be here without my team. And I'm currently sitting here looking through the office and there's like this but I have like seven full-time staff. So the local edit isn't just like me, you know, spending 24 hours a day working. It's me running a vision and I have amazing people that help me do it. I, I just kind of seem to be a face that's connected to it, um, but I, it would be wrong to not give credit to everyone that's involved in, in what we do. And that's how we do it. We do it because we're a team. We don't do it alone. And I, that I also had to learn. That didn't come naturally for me. I think someone that has a very strong vision, that's very independent, like since two, I told my mom, I'll tie my own shoelaces. You don't have to help me. And now that my son does it, my mom just looks at me and she's like, I wonder whose child he is. You know, so um, <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's the, that's the real truth of what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> Thanks so much for your vulnerability. And I think it's so important. We actually have spoken about it before this, especially during the pandemic, how entrepreneurship has been glorified because now you can work from anywhere and work remotely and, and 
people don't often speak about, you know, the support systems that they've got, whether it's teammates or people that they outsource to or from a mental health perspective, who's supporting them on that front. Um, That's something that I'm also very curious about Mm -hmm. from the mental health side of things, because even this is my first year working remote from home and not having that team agency sort of structure where people are distracting you from what's going on in your mind. Like when you were talking about your monkey Mm -hmm. mind earlier and and, and the way you programmed, I could relate a lot. And it also means that often I am either criticizing myself or chasing more and not celebrating those wins. Um, So on that note, what sort of advice do you have for others or listeners out there, um, whether they're startups or wanting to start their own thing and getting out of corporate when things are getting tough, um, especially for those new businesses and during the pandemic, do you have any advice for them in terms of pushing through and, you know, for those who haven't been making profits and who are worried, you know, about the future of their business? Marisa, when you ask me this question, I feel like I just want to like go for it and I want to be a cheerleader and I want to go like, here's your five tips, you know, do this, do this, do this. But you know what? Like it's it's probably an old age kind of thing that if you ask me this in my 20s, if you ask me this in my early 30s, I would have like given you this whole list. Um, the reality is I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out myself, <laughs> you know, and it's like I'm very very open to sharing kind of what I've learned, but that's my journey. That's what's worked for me. That's the kind of little takeaways that I can share with other people. But at the end of the day, you really have to take that home and you need to look at your business in the way that no one else can because you're in it. It's very easy for someone to give advice from the outside. It's similar to this whole kind of like, shouldn't you guys have babies now conversation? You know, it's very easy to look from the outside and go like, oh, you guys are ready, you know? Um, it's not that easy to give business advice. Um, but what I what I can say is a few things. I think it's very important that businesses grow in a way that's like rather start small and move a little bit slower, but think about your why. I think that is very, very important. I think sometimes we chase concepts and ideas, but we don't distill the why. So I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. And I think if you've never, you know, watched these why um, talk, I think that's extremely important. Um, that, 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 is, that that is really thought through in terms of what you do. Um, and then I also think that it's important to be able to, to be agile because when you're small, it's easy to change. It's easy to make adaptions. The, the impact on your business and the impact on your clients are not that big when you're small. Um, and sometimes we chase to be big. We chase to get the recognition. We chase to get the brand out there, et cetera. But what you don't realize is if you haven't figured out the business side of things, then um, and I obviously incorporate the like sales, the profits, all those types of things. And we're very new now with the local editor. It's like I can really talk from where we're at is rather be very okay with the fact that you guys are still making lots of changes and you're still a bit small because now it doesn't have an impact on 10,000 people buying from you. If we are constantly adapting on the app and making changes on the app, um, it now only affects the few users that's on the app. 
But if we make, like, if we chase the brand too quickly mm. and the, like, it's almost like I want to say like the brand and the business needs to run together, mm. if that, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and I think in today's world, um, sorry, let me just put this on. Don't disturb because I, I keep hearing these little notifications. I'm like, yeah, but maybe you don't hear it. Mm. Um, I think that in today's world where we are very, or especially for us as visual um, and brand orientated PR marketing, you know, I think all three of us are very in that space. We're very um, aware of Instagram and all the media and the socials and all that type of stuff. The branding side and the marketing side can sometimes take so much time and effort that you don't actually focus on the business. And I think that is why a lot of the small businesses fail. Like we see these incredible Instagram accounts opening up and we get so excited. We all follow them and it's like coming soon and, you know, and then they start their little business and, I really hope that the local edit's not going to be one of those, but it's like, I have no guarantee that it's going to be a success. I'm very, very aware of that. Um, and that's, what's drive, that's what drives me every day. So I think to be okay with the fact that you're small and to move fast, to adapt very quickly, to ensure that your branding and your marketing plan and energy that you put into that, maybe that's a good example to say, is to like the amount of energy that you put into that to also put the same amount of energy into driving sales to actually build the business, to learn more about your customers. Um, I think along the way, when you get to a place or maybe you have funding or, you know, maybe you have a business partner, um, every business is different. But I do think it's also important to get to know yourself very well, because if you as the visionary, as the founder, co-founder, whatever your position is, drives this business, it's very important that you know what your weaknesses are. Um, as well as your strengths. And I've learned what my weaknesses are. I know there's certain things I'm just really not good at. And um, HR is one of them. Like I am, I'm very driven. I'm very like task orientated. And that doesn't sit well in the HR department, <laughs> you know, like, so I've learned how to outsource HR. I've learned how to outsource the finance side. I've learned how to outsource very different, like lots of different areas. And in the beginning, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, when I, when I speak to them, and again, depending on where you're at in your business, but don't just look at outsourcing as a costly thing and go like, oh, I don't have the funds to do that. Because you also need to look at the, the cost to your business to not do that. Mm. It's very, very important to look at that because if you are spending, which I was doing a few years ago, like 20, 30 hours a week on HR issues, because one, you don't enjoy it. Two, you're not educated about it. Three, you have no clue what you're doing, so you have to do research, et cetera. You're actually wasting so much time that you could be putting into the growth of the business. We have someone else took that part over, and that is their speciality. So I'm a big um, believer in outsourcing the things that you are not good at. And then, yeah, I think just to adapt, I think is very important, is to not just go with the outset of knowing or assuming you know the industry or assuming and that we actually had interesting we had a conversation in the team earlier today where we spoke about we made a lot of assumptions as a business like we made an assumption around who our customer is who the brands are we going to work with etc cetera, etc cetera. but it would be very short-sighted not to be open to the idea that we could have been wrong or that we need to maybe adapt areas of our perceptions and that's where the customer comes in and our customers on both sides our customers on this on the sales of actual products and customers that actually use the app and buy products from us but it's also the, the brands are also our customers so it's like a b2b and a b2c business all in one kind of thing 
And I, t- I told my team, I was like, guys, we have a very strong vision. We're very focused. We're very excited about what we do. But we also have to be open to the idea to learn from what the needs are of either the one or the other. And then when those, need, those needs don't align with our vision, then it's okay to say, no, that doesn't. But it, we need to consider it at least. Um, so yeah, there I was giving you a whole list and I said I wasn't. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> but Marisa, you gave me the mic, right? So <laughs> No, I just feel like I, I can, and we honestly could go on for hours mm. just chatting because you've got so much knowledge to give and just to tie into what you were saying and what a lot of entrepreneurs forget because they see the instant success on social media is they forget the long-term goal and how long it's taken a lot of people to get to where they are and even when certain people are launching a business and it's been incredibly successful over after a year there might have been so many failures in the past there's a a lot of other sort of experience that might be different that have led them up to that point and that I often see um, brands forgetting and of course it goes back to human nature comparison game and wanting to be where other brands are at or or colleagues or friends or seeing other people succeed and comparing to them and then the other thing that I also just 100% has been my savior um, has been outsourcing and Mm -hmm. for instance I don't often like talk about it but I run two social media accounts for the stream the one is the podcast side of things and the other is the marketing side of things and I've got a brilliant social media manager that runs that because not only yes of course I can do it all myself I know very well how to do it and that's what so (laughs) many of us always do as entrepreneurs (laughs) is like oh it's just easy for me to do myself but it's not just the hours that I save spending on it it's the energy of thinking and strategizing constantly on that role 100%. like 100%. that yeah that I, one often forgets is how many I and I'm emotional so things will replay a lot longer in my head than what they're meant to so outsourcing yeah that's a, a very very good point yes and Christina Oh, sorry, JB. Sorry, both Sorry. No, sorry. Last, last thing on that thought also with outsourcing, just that what I want to add is if you are like fortunate enough to get to a place where you can actually appoint people that are better than you, or when you start recruiting, like even if it's just your first employee, you know, let's say for instance, you're a photographer or you're a small brand that's selling goods and you want to, you know, get a social media manager. I think it's so fantastic if you can get people that are better than you because then it actually becomes so much easier to outsource to them because you kind of go like, oh my goodness, you know more than me. And now I can actually be okay with, I do this and this and you do that. You manage that for me. Um, And it's amazing if you can get to a place where people can teach you something like that is my, that is, that is what really fuels me at this stage is to have people around me that teach me things. That is like amazing. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm friends with Marisa. That's the only reason she <laughs> teaches me. About <laughs> I also get, marketing I also get in on this groupie. This groupie sounds really <laughs> like a more than welcome to. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. Like I literally, we could go on for ages and you've got so much. I, I really appreciate your vulnerability and you sharing so much with us. Um, and for your time, we know there's so many things, especially on a Monday, which is probably like the worst day to ask someone for a podcast uh, chit-chat. But we really, really <laughs> appreciate your time and everything that you've shared with us today. Oh, thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Marisa. Thanks so much for having me and for... Yeah, allowing me to share. Um, 
you know, it's 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 good that people kind of pause you in certain times of your life to reflect because we're so busy, we're doing so many things, and it's important to realize. And I think Jenny, you'll know this from many moons ago when I, when I did the, the photography workshops. But one thing that I always say is we should never forget that we started somewhere mm-hmm. because that really puts you in a place where you kind of go like should never never think I know it all, um, and. That's why I'm, I was so excited when you asked me. I was like, oh, this is taking priority in my diary. I'm having a chit chat. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for your time. Oh, and we can't wait guys. to see the local edit and all the amazing things that you are doing grow even further. And we'll, def- we'll definitely be your cheerleaders, sending you more yes. DMs. Of, oh, um... I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Cheers. Cool. Thanks, guys. Bye.